virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a crash out of Europe and lose to Arsenal but is the real problem the mountain injury crisis we strap our knees up and get the ice packs out in association with footballkitmarket.com it's for fox sake Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and Rob Hayes is alongside me in For Fox 8 HQ2. Rob can you hear me Loud and clear. I can indeed. I'm settling myself in for one of the most downbeat podcasts we've had to record this season no. so far, I think. I mean, I mean, we're not going to be totally doom and gloom, but there's not been an awful lot to shout about in the last week since we last spoke. No, that the, there isn't. I'm pouring myself a drink as we speak because I think we'll, we'll need it. Um. It- it's really awkward, isn't it? I've been sat here all day thinking about how to address things. I've, I've spoke on a couple of different outlets regarding Leicester and regarding what's kind of happened in the last five or or six days. Uh, those of you who are unfortunate to see my um, Sky Sports appearance, well, we can get... To be honest, it was true to form in terms of my predictions because that went completely out of the window, my, uh, my look forward to the Arsenal game. That was actually recorded before the defeat in Europe, which was essentially just a preview of what was going to happen against Arsenal. Now, for I think, Rob, if you if you just take... I think we should take things kind of as they are. So you take the, the squad situation with injuries, you take then the form that we're currently in, and then you take what is lying ahead of us, and what lies ahead of us in terms of players reappearing or possibly even making an appearance again this season in some cases. I think you kind of take them all separately, I think. Because if you take them all as one, you can just go, right, it's the end of the season. And it's very easy to say we're not going to get top four and the season's going to collapse. We'll beat, uh, defeat, uh, we'll lose to Man United heavily in the in the FA Cup as well, and the season's over when there is that's completely not the case. So I think, I think what we'll do, Rob, is we'll look at those kind of three sections individually, and then each one will finish on a positive. So what is the not the best outcome, but what not hope, but what is the best way of looking forward to? these next three games what is the best way of looking forward to how the squad will look and what is the best way looking forward to how some of the players might reappear in a Leicester lineup so first of all it's been a bad week I am the last person on earth to say losing in a cup competition is a good thing it's not it's terrible because wins breed wins and you want to be competing at every level and the Europa League is a competition we could have won and 
I know the draw doesn't necessarily mean that we would be playing Rangers in the next round, but that's who um, Prague drew in the next round, which would have been an eminently a winnable game. But saying all that, because of the situation with the squad and because of the situation in the Premier League in qualifying for the Champions League, which is the big aim this season, that all changes for me. And the defeat to Prague on Thursday, as much as it was a horrible game, the worst performance of the season by far, overall, it's probably a blessing. A blessing which was exceptionally well disguised on Thursday night because uh, after the full-time whistle went against Slavia Prague, I I had a feeling that I haven't felt very often watching Leicester in recent history, really. Uh, and especially one that I, I, I don't recall feeling this season. Uh, and in fact, I don't think I've felt it in, uh, since the, the Manchester United game on the last uh, day of uh, last season. And it, and it was a feeling that, not necessarily that, that us as the supporters had been let down, but, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very pragmatic person. I'm, I, I have a, a deep and long-lasting love for Leicester City, as do thousands of other people. Of course I do. But I'm not one of those people who whose weekends can be defined by um, football results. My mum's a little bit like that. My mum's a, a season ticket holder, a massive Leicester fan. If Leicester lose on a Saturday afternoon, that's her weekend ruined. Now, I'm not particularly like that and we haven't really had cause to be like that this season because even when we've had the odd league defeat, You've always backed Leicester to to have some kind of reaction. And, and such is the fixture list this season. There's been the opportunity for that positive reaction almost instantly. And um, from the top of my head, we've, we've not lost more than two, possibly three games in a row all season. So we've shown that we've got that that response and that resilience to, to bounce back from defeat. But because it was the second leg of a knockout tie... And that was the end. Thursday night, 90 minutes, full-time whistle goes. That was the end of our European uh, adventure, European campaign for this season. And I felt so flat after that game. Um, I, I, it was, like I say, not a feeling that I've had since we, we lost out on a top four place on the last day of the season. So I felt really negative after that game. And but But I thought, you know what? As we have all season, we've got a game again in three or four days, a chance to put things right against Arsenal, who we both expected Leicester to beat. And yes, we'll be out of the Europa League. Yes, it was a it was a bad. Uh, you can say it was a bad day at the office. It was really a bad one hundred and eighty minutes. Leicester deserved to lose that game over two legs because they had, as I just said, a hundred and eighty minutes to beat what is on paper a significantly inferior opponent. And they didn't do it, so they deserve to go out, of course. But yeah, I felt I felt very, very flat. However, after the events of Sunday against Arsenal, I am now in exactly the same camp as you, Pete, in that now you look at the fixture list coming up in March. In March, we've only got four games. That is brilliant news from a Leicester perspective, considering the ever-lengthening injury list. So yes, Blessing, which on Thursday night was wearing an extremely disappointing disguise. 
Yeah, I, I agree with the, the, the fact that you can look at these two games in kind of one. It, the, the Prague performance was horrible. It never in a million years looked like scoring, out-fought, out-battled. Now, would if, if, if you're playing in front of 32,000 people at the King Power in a European game, which is still a novelty, it would be completely different, but they weren't there. And it, it seemed... I would say that they were, had one eye on the Arsenal game, but they knew that the squad was stretched. There were players rested, which ultimately, when I mean, we're talking about Harvey Barnes here, but when he was rested, and then he went off injured in the Arsenal game, the news came out about his his cartilage and he's been carrying this this kind of injury, and you know, he was rested for that game. He had to come on. That didn't really, I don't think, it's had any impact on him being injured at all, but. The squad was just so stretched. We were missing uh, Inacho because of suspension. You got Jamie Vardy playing, and I'm pretty sure they would not have wanted Vardy to be playing because he's way off pace at the moment, carrying his own injury problems, and we'll come on to that when we discuss those. So, overall, the whole thing was a complete disaster. But then you move on to Arsenal, and I'm looking at the Arsenal game now, and to be honest, losing that game... Because it was at the end of a really good run of results and we're in a very, very good position in the Premier League, the actual defeat itself is completely at the back of my mind. It's it's way down the list of priorities because you look at the future fixtures in the Premier League, as you mentioned, only four in March as well, if you look at the FA Cup game as well, and you've got the three games in the Premier League which are all eminently very winnable games. And... So the defeat goes to one side. It was a poor performance, a good first goal by Yuri Tillemans, just basically, here you go, after you clawed by the Arsenal defence, and he goes and scores. But then after that, they just look really flat. I know they had the odd spark and the odd shot from distance, but it was just a inevitability that they were going to create a chance, and as soon as they scored, yeah, you go in at half-time 1-1, but no, it's it's 2-1 because of a penalty. And, and then the injury happens... And the team was just, you could see, the, it was a body blow of Barnes being taken off. All the team must have, I think they were all still completely rattled by that. Arsenal go and score and it's game over. And to be fair, they did relatively well actually to keep it at 1-3. Because 1-3 with around about, I think it was half an hour to go, it was like 59th minute. So you got half an hour to go, that could have been 5 or 6 and so, you know, fair play there. Evans then goes off. It's, it, it just turned into a disaster. And as soon as Evans walked off the field or limped off, that's when I went, right, this just this result does not matter. It's a case of getting through. You know, my next thought was, when's Vardy going to limp off and be out for a month? So after the game, it, it was it was very strange when Brendan Rodgers comes out saying, oh, yeah, six weeks for Harvey Barnes, he's going to have an operation. You're thinking, well, how does he know straight away? When's the, the scan's got to happen tomorrow? And da, 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 da. But because he's been carrying this problem with the cartilage, they knew what had happened. And overall, that news has to be good news, in theory, because straight away you just go, right, he's done his ACL, and him and James Justin are going to have pretty much the same... Uh, length of time out and we'll both see them around Christmas and it's a disaster but with this there's more of a chance that Harvey Barnes will play again this season for Leicester which sounds bad but there you go that's the situation so 
there's that. And then you look at Johnny Evans, and that's a problem that he's had for a while, and he might miss one or two games, but it doesn't look overly serious at the moment, and what Rogers has said today. And then you throw in James Madison as well. And this was the big one for me, because it was it was relatively... Um, no, there was absolutely silence, really, from, from what I could see, that there was no news, really, on what Madison was doing. We know he had a problem with his hip, and we know he's been out for months and months and months, the end of last season, start of this season, with, with hip problems, and there was a little bit of news saying that his problem was not the same, even though it was to do with his hip. And the news today is good, the fact that in the next... Um, few days he will be training again on grass now that means I don't think he'll be anywhere near ready for probably the next three games in the Premier League you may be looking at Manchester United in the FA Cup I would imagine with Madison but that's still I would say good news from what it could be because you could easily have ruled Madison out for months and months and maybe the rest of the season so those major players and those major injuries that have occurred in, in the last couple of days and, and with Madison that we just generally haven't heard of. And also the update on Vardy. Vardy apparently has just aggregated, uh, um, aggravated during the game a problem with his groin. I thought Martin Keown in commentary mentioned about um, his groin. We know he had a hernia operation, but he was saying it's, it's remarkable how, how quickly he's back. And he was carried, he could see during the game Vardy was struggling. On two or three occasions, he didn't have the bur- uh, the burst of speed. I don't think he's lost his pace. I think if he's fully fit and fully sharp, then he's going to be the same player that we've all known for years. But he was obviously woefully off pace, and he was carrying this problem. But apparently, Rogers today is saying it's not um, a major issue. It happened during the game, but he could control that, uh, and he would be he will be available for selection on Wednesday. Whether he's going to play, we'll come on to that. So that's kind of where we are regarding those immediate players. Um, on the horizon, you've got your Fafanas, Pos, and your Perez in not far away as well. And again, you're maybe looking into the future for maybe Manchester United or, or just after that. Uh, so, overall, don't panic, is what I'm trying to say. Don't panic, and Rob, if you want the title of the podcast right now, don't panic. Don't panic. We're not pushing the panic button. Absolutely not. What what we what we need to do is these results. Yes, disappointed to be out of the Europa League, but currently with the injury injury list, uh, uh, a real blessing. Um, the defeat against Arsenal is it going to define our Premier League season? I sincerely hope not. At this stage, I don't think it will do. Um, and as you say, the result also, uh, is pretty much um, inferior to the to the injury problems that came out of that game. So, you know, we, we can kind of... Uh, there's a lot of talk on social media and some of it actually within our own pages, which which I'm sure we'll get to in a few minutes, Pete, in terms of three-word reviews, etc. But but some people really go into town on this and thinking that um, because of these two now, defeats Rob? in a row... Shall we have them now? Yeah, go on then. Let's have the three-word reviews because I want to talk a few people down. <laughs> oh, excellent. I have them right here. So we've got um, Schedule Takes Toll. We've got Dropping Like Flies. We've got um, Looked Very Tired. We've got Not Enough Goals. We've got Squad Depth 
issues. Uh, we've got fullback confusion, uh, injuries just devastating, worried about fourth. I am gutted. It's going wrong. Uh, they're all on Twitter. And if I just switch over to the old Facenet, and uh, which is what I call Facebook, and so scroll down to find it because you have to go through all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff to actually find the post. Um, there weren't many on here. Oh no, that's uh, there's quite a few now. Lost Stars Inc. That's buggered it up. No squad depth again. End of road. Running on empty. Like last season. It's over now. Uh, season is over now. Before you um, dig into a few of those, I would just. I like to align myself with one or two of them. I would say um, David Lusby's running on empty. I think that, for me, uh, I I would say that's the most accurate from from my point of view. Um, I think a, a lot of them, yes, it's a it's a reaction just after the game, the three word reviews. But um, I would go with running on empty uh, as one I'd align myself with. Yeah, I think you could apply that to many of the individuals in terms of the the work rate that they just weren't able to get through against Arsenal. And also running on empty in terms of Leicester City's squad depth at the moment. I think you could apply it to that as well. That's the kind of camp I'm in. Um, And apparently Facebook um, listeners, for fuck's sake, are much more doom and gloom than Twitter listeners by the looks of it. Because most of those on Twitter are, are pretty much hitting the nail on the head for me. Uh, the people on Facebook that are now declaring that our season is over. Look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you what you should or shouldn't be thinking by any stretch because you're a supporter, you're entitled to your opinion. Of course you are. Thank you very much for sharing it with us. It provides us with a discussion point here. I'd hold up, hold up. Uh, we're, 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 we're here, look, to, to, to voice the opinions of, of the listeners and, and we, we're doing that now. Thank you for that. Um, but we're also here to sort of put across our own points of view now if by the end of March this these defeats to Prague and Arsenal uh, on top of the injury problems um sort of are, are the beginning of a real slump in form then yes you can come back to us with this conversation and you can say it looks like the season is is derailing Right now, what I think is excellent about this group of players, and they've they've proved it. There's no, I'm not talking. There's no conjecture here. They've proven it time and time again this season that there is the ability to bounce back from setbacks and do so in a positive way, but also in a timely manner. In, in the sense that you don't, you, we haven't hit that slump of five, six, seven poor results or poor performances in a row. It's just not been allowed to happen. So Wednesday night against Burnley offers a great opportunity to get back on the horse. But, you know, we said that again about the Arsenal game um, following the Prague game. That didn't happen. It needs to be arrested very quickly. So is the season over? Absolutely not. Is this a sign that it's starting to derail? Well, we won't know until a few weeks time, but I, I don't think so. I I like your positive thinking, Pete, on the on the injury front. Um but what what you've got to look at is, and 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 there's no excuses here. The, the the players made that very clear. The manager made that very clear. And I, as a Leicester fan, won't make any excuses for that uh, for the Arsenal or the Slavia Prague games. We deserve to lose both. Absolutely, we did. Um, if you look at the the Leicester lineup for uh, the Arsenal game, you've got Castagna and Ricardo, who are clearly still being managed back from injury. 
um, and back to full fitness. And that is clear to see in the fact that neither of them started in the Europa League in midweek. So so they're in and they are what well, they're going to be forced to play back to back games. Uh, I would imagine come Wednesday, but they they are you know getting up towards full fitness. You've got Evans, who we know has been carrying an issue for a while and has just been absolutely trooping on. You've got Luke Thomas, who is 19 years old. We questioned just a few weeks ago on this podcast, uh, as Brendan Rodgers has earlier in the season, has he got the physicality to play two games a week um, consecutively? Probably not. And that was, off the top of my head, his fourth game in a row, his fourth start in a row. You've got... Tielemans, who covered the most ground out of any Leicester player in the Arsenal game. You've got Barnes, who we now know is uh, was carrying a minor knee injury into that game, which has been um, made worse. We've got Vardy, who we know is absolutely nowhere near full sharpness at the moment. Um, and then you're looking down on the bench, you've got two youth players, a goalkeeper, Christian Fuchs, who is there for emergencies only, two defensive midfielders and then Amati under and all Brighton and and you can see where the problem lies when you consider the fact that Arsenal opted to rest certain players and were able to bring in players that haven't been starting that much like Willian like Pepe now Willian and Pepe haven't turned up for 10 minutes between them this season it just so happens that they ended up doing so against uh, against Leicester City, but their the the quality of their squad is is more significant on paper at the moment, and and that's because their injury list isn't as long as ours. I'm not making excuses. I'm simply stating some facts here. Um, Leicester were tired because a lot of those players are not at full fitness, and those that are have been playing every minute of every game for a long, long time. Now, what what was disappointing for me in the Arsenal and the and the Prague game really was that they didn't seem to be able to find a way to lift themselves out of whether it was the body blow of Barnes going off, whether it was the amount of minutes catching up on them, a bit of both, and and, and probably the blow of Arsenal scoring a couple before half time as well. Everything wasn't going well. The body language, I wouldn't say looked negative, but it looked tired. It looked withdrawn and. You're looking out on that pitch. Was there anybody out there that was actively trying to do anything to change that? I noticed two players and two players only. Schmeichel, who you would expect that from every minute of every game anyway. We've we've been treated to a, basically a 90-minute Kasper Schmeichel commentary of games since the, the, since the crowds were um, left out of stadiums and you've just got natural stadium effects. He's wearing the captain's armband. You'd expect that. And Tielemans, although he's not hugely vocal on the pitch that much, he we know he's in the, the club's leadership group, the players' leadership group. And as I just said, he covered the most ground against Arsenal and he kept coming for the ball. He was always trying to get involved. It, it, whether it works or not, he was not hiding anywhere. And I'm not saying none of the other players were trying. That's not what I'm saying. But they were the only two that looked like they were physically trying to do something to get us out of it. It just looked like a game too far for some of those bodies. And this uh, lessened fixture list in March now, due to the exit from the Europa League, um, is, 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 is a real positive, I think, just to patch some people up, 
give them a few days off, get some energy back in the legs because the the lost our zing uh, three word review I think was 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 good because they they're not able to to maintain the level of intensity either from an attacking or a defensive point of view but too passive in both elements of the game and I think that's that's down to borderline exhaustion and hopefully March can be a, re- a recovery month fewer games more players back in to to push on for a, a strong final third of the season yeah I noticed a number of people commenting about changing the system and, and changing players around and moving them around the field and substitutions etc to try and get back into the game and I think that there was no opportunity really for that because the three substitutions, first of all, uh, poor Luke Thomas just got the run around, didn't he? He slipped for uh, the free kick, which ultimately led to one of the Arsenal goals and he had to be dragged because on the yellow card and then you've got the, the injuries essentially. So there's your substitutions. So when we look at the games coming up and who will play and who what we would do, etc., that's, that's why if there's going to be any serious changes, which I think there will be, um, I think there just needs to be, then they will happen in those games rather than being put into effect at half-time. During the game against a side who, as much as they're quite far down the table, etc., we know what Arsenal have done this year, once they're in a winning position like that, they are still they are still one of the teams in the Premier League who can keep the ball well, not the ball around. And you mentioned about the likes of Pepe and Willem, who have not performed at all this season, and yet all of a sudden turn up at Leicester and play well. But also when you're in front, it's quite easy then for them to knock the ball around. And so it it really was um, a a very difficult watch in in the final, say, half an hour or so. But I mentioned over the last few weeks about it was too soon to start looking at... uh, This is one thing that I've, I've come out of the game and thought of now. The time of it's too easy to look at what Chelsea and what Liverpool are doing, because I still think those two will be ultimately the main challenges for the top four, uh, rather than, say, West Ham, as much as they're doing well, as much as um, Everton have games in hand, and as much as Spurs, uh, who I still think will be there or thereabouts, um, and they really looked into top gear, and Bale turning up, etc., against uh, Burnley, in fact, yesterday. So the time of looking to what they're doing compared to Leicester i think that's probably started i would say uh, mainly because of the you know the injury crisis and so just to give a bit of context on where we are right now we're in third place um man united in second but again they're in the conversation but they're ahead of us so they can go and do what they want chelsea they're currently what five points behind us and then a further point uh, is liverpool now just to give some context as we look forward to what we would do against Burnley and against Brighton and then ultimately a week later at home against Sheffield United. Compare those games with the fixtures that, say, Chelsea have. They are away at Liverpool, they are then at home against Everton and they're away at Leeds. So there's three difficult games in the Premier League. Uh, now, Liverpool, their games, obviously the Chelsea game, then they play Fulham and they're away at Wolves. So if you look at Chelsea compared to Leicester, five points, three very difficult games. Leicester, as much as we've got the problems, but three very, very winnable games. So what I'm saying is that it's not all doom and gloom because we could be discussing this on the Monday after 
the game against Sheffield United and the five-point gap to Chelsea, that could be double figures. Now, of course, it could be it could be none. Chelsea could be ahead of us and it could all go horribly wrong. But if you were looking at form and, and the fixtures, more people than not would say the gap would more or less be bigger than it is now. And so then you have the players coming back. You have the game in the FA Cup to look forward to as well. And so there is uh, light at the end of a tunnel, which a lot of people think that it's now closed in on Leicester. So that that's a little bit of um, a little bit of good news and something you know a good thought out there to to go forward with. But the Burnley game is a is a really interesting game on Wednesday, purely because whatever Burnley, um, whatever form Burnley are in, whatever kind of uh, reinvention of Burnley. They're always going to play the same way. They're always going to be physical. And I like Burnley. Don't get me wrong, I like Burnley. They're, they're, an, they're a Leicester of the 90s, really. A, a bit more Columbus. We, we, we were better, weren't we? But they are um, they're a, a direct football side with big men up top, but that get results. I mean, they should not be in the Premier League in theory, but they've done very, very well. So it doesn't matter whether Burnley are eighth or 18th, you're always going to be playing against the same style of football. And I reckon, Rob, and this is what I think regarding the side, I think there is the possibility, and it would be what I would do, of wholesale changes for this game. Because of the situation with the injuries, uh, because of the team that we're playing against as well, and mainly. And... um, I would be interested in what you think before I kind of release my kind of Leicester eleven for the game against Burnley. But I'm going to go with the wholesale changes. That's personnel and also system as well, and uh, and the formation. What what are your thoughts then as you look forward to the Burnley game? Do you think there's going to be? And this ain't, this is not pressing the panic button. This is managing the squad with what we have at the moment. And managing the squad means looking at the players that are out and looking at those players who have played an awful lot of games and thinking, if we play them against Burnley uh, in a depleted Leicester City eleven, are we doing ourselves any favours or shall we just go with what I would put a very solid side out and give those players a chance to have a game off with then a look forward to playing what would be our strongest side against Brighton on Saturday. I'll be interested here in a couple of minutes when you go through your wholesale changes, what you mean by wholesale, because we're not currently in the, the luxurious position of being able to swap 11 players out for um, 11 other senior players and just drop them in. Uh, I can totally see where you're coming from, and, and it's, a, it's a, a difficult decision, I think, for Brendan Rodgers, because at the moment you've got a yes yes there were a, a couple of changes against Slavia Prague not not a notable number there were there was changes in key positions of course there were but you've got that team or or the the key players or the spine of that team played um against Arsenal either from the start or or coming off the bench so you've got players in there that have lost two games in a row and have been well beaten in both of those games not not unlucky not not missing um the odd opportunity but but comprehensively inexcusably beaten so 
if you played them again against Burnley, knowing already that we've been trying to patch players up and play them when they're nowhere near 100%, and you lose that game as well, you, you could then, if you're Brendan Rodgers, come in for some criticism by saying you need to be protecting your players better and thinking that you've got the Burnley game and the Brighton game and then and then you've got a, um, a week, well, eight days to recover uh, before Sheffield United. Now, you could go that way. Or, to, to be honest with you, because if you lose the game against Burnley, having made wholesale changes, then you can blame it on that. Either way, there's... there's 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 reasons for losing those games, so I I think I think there's nothing to lose by playing a changed shape and personnel, and I think there's a lot to gain in terms of the recovery of the players, because if you've got players sitting on that bench that are a hundred percent fit, or albeit they are second in the pecking order or third in the pecking order for their position. Put them in against Burnley, give them the, the the physical battle, and you might well come out on top because let's be honest, Burnley don't score very many goals at all, and they are not going to surprise you tactically. So somebody like Christian Fuchs would be well up for the physical battle, you know, in a, either a back three or a back four. Um, somebody like Hamza Chowdhury and Papi Mendy will be more than happy to go into combat in the centre of midfield. So I, I think the the quality of our, I wouldn't say second string side, because some of them are third string, really, if you're making those changes, are more than enough to get a result against Burnley. And you could then bring those players that are looking burnt out back in for the game against Brighton, hopefully a little bit more refreshed, rejuvenated mentally and physically, ready to play against a more footballing side in in Brighton. And and I think that's I think that's a a perfectly feasible approach. Whether we'll see it I don't know because as I say we're not exactly in the luxurious position where we can make that many changes. Um but I'm sort of I'm looking at the 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 squad that we had against Arsenal and the players on the bench that would be in and you you would absolutely put all Brighton in for a game against Burnley workhorse um you'd be happy to put amati in as another six footer who can tr- tr- probably deal with more of the aerial and physical side of the game chowdhury and mendy i've mentioned fuchs i've mentioned uh, and that's pretty much where you are unless you want to chuck a youngster in like maybe you want a ball playing midfielder but you need to rest tielemans who has got through some serious work i've got so much good to say about that that footballer yuri tielemans i think he's Absolutely outstanding, um, but Tavares. This could be his opportunity to to come in and be. He looks like a big physical lad. Looked like he had a decent touch when he came on against Prague. We both um, sort of highlighted him in pre-season as somebody that looked like he'd slotted straight in. Whether you bring him on for the last half an hour against Burnley, Premier League debut, get him in in the midfield. I don't know, but there there are merits to the wholesale changes, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, Tavares is a very interesting player. He's the darling of Twitter, isn't he? Everyone, every club has that youngster who everyone's looking forward to breaking into the first team, and he's the Leicester. Yeah, he might be someone who no one, who who people haven't heard of before. Um, 
I would like to look forward to him playing for Leicester um, after making his debut in a disappointing European game in the same way as, say, Harvey Barnes. He made Everyone knows Harvey Barnes made his debut in that 5-0 thrashing against Porto. He's gone on and been fantastic. So hopefully Tavares um, makes the same impact after making his debut in a disappointing uh, European game. Now, I, I think, you, as I mentioned, the opposition counts for an awful lot here because they don't score an awful lot of goals, because they don't play expansive football. And I, you look at the defence and you go, right, they're going to pump it forward. It looks like Chris Woody came off the bench, he's going to start... Uh, Barnes up top, so they're going to they're going to punt the ball forward, aren't they? So I would go three centre halves. I would bring Christian Fuchs in. I think that's an absolute no brainer for this game. Um, so you got Fuchs, you got Armati, and you got Soyuncu. Okay, Evans is not going to be there. If he's possibly okay to play, I still would say no. He could maybe on the bench. Okay, but I would go with the back three. Now wing back situation, you've got Castanion, you've got uh, Ricardo. It's a no-brainer. Now, depending on whether one or two um, can play, then you have the likes of, say, an Albrighton, um, maybe even, I say, a Daily Campbell. So there are options there, but I don't think there's any reason to say, why can't um, Ricardo and Castagna play? And then you look at the midfield. The midfield, you have to play Wilfred Ndidi. Again, height. That's what you need. Um, but alongside him, I don't think there's any... The main two players, really, are Yuri Tillemans and Jamie Vardy. I would not play both, to be honest. Apps both of them. I would rest Yuri Tillemans, arguably not even in the squad, okay? Because I'm a big... Uh, you can put someone on the bench, fine. But I w if you're going to rest someone properly, then it could well be, like, don't bother. And just just sit sit, in, sit on the sidelines. Maybe even not even turn up. I don't know how that kind of works. But I would rest Yuri Tillemans. So you go someone like Wilfred and Didi alongside him, Mendy or um, a Hamza Chowdhury, just depending on what's what. Probably for me in this game, maybe a Chowdhury. And then you have an, a very difficult problem to solve because. The major issue we have at the moment is the forward line. We've got an injured Jamie Vardy. Uh, we've got no Barnes. We've got no Madison for the foreseeable future. So how would you then form beating Burnley? It's all very well putting these big lads at the back and becoming really solid because so far that team is very solid. Well, you need to give someone a chance and you need to have that curveball. And it's all very well bringing someone off the bench. I would play Tavares from the start. I would throw him in there and say, look, you've got a very solid team behind you. And in front of you, I would have two players. One of them will come on to uh, in more detail in, 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 shortly, and that's Cengiz Under. And the other one would be Kelechi Iniacho. Two of them um, up front. Okay, More central with Under and um, Iniacho you know, as, a, as a number nine. And I would say to this lad, look, there's no pressure. I think he looks to have, and I, you don't get me wrong, I've not seen an awful lot of this lad. Apparently, you know, he's a world beater and all this, all very well saying. I thought he looked to have, and you mentioned a, a good touch, he looked to have an excellent touch. He looked to be able to move the ball very quickly. He didn't want any time on the ball. You give me the ball, and I'm passing the ball first time, maybe one touch to control, and then quickly away. Really promising. That, for me, looked really promising. 
So you can play him and say, look, if it all, no pressure, if it all goes horribly wrong, we'll make the change, etc., etc. But here's your chance. Not bring him off the bench, boom, from the start. You've got two lads up top. Um, one of them's absolutely lighting and the other lad's going to be right up top. So if you need to play something simple, hit the, hit the channels, whatever you've got. Ricardo one side, Castagna the other side as well. Why not? Why not throw someone into a game like this at Burnley and see what can happen? He looks like he can hold himself physically as well. I don't think you lose anything from it. I don't think you're going to ruin the guy's career by doing this sort of thing. And you never know. You might just be, you know, you might just have this diamond who's not been given a chance as yet. And he might just really kick on and we could be talking about playing him from the start against Burnley for years to come and saying what a great decision it was. So that's what I would do. And then up top, I would have under... And I would have um, Ian Acho. I would play under. I think even though he's been very disappointing, and he has, and he's had chances, I thought in the first 15 minutes he well, he, he beat the Prague fullback on probably three occasions. And I was like, this, this, he's going to score a trick today. And then it all just fell apart. His, his end product is poor. We know he's got a, a bit of a cannon as, as a as a left foot, but the cannon's not uh, pointing the wrong way most of the time. It's, I, I think with Under, you need to play him. First of all, you need to, because we haven't really got anyone else. But I would put my arm around him and say, look, mate, you're going to start against Burnley. You're going to start against Brighton. And you're going to start against Sheffield United. Here's your run of games. Do your stuff. Against Burnley, maybe slightly more central. Because as much as he's been a winger throughout his entire career, I think you could play him down the middle as a 10. And with his kind of shoot-on-sight policy, when you're playing at Burnley in this kind of way, I don't think that's a bad thing. And who knows, again, a bit like throwing in the youngster, um, a little bit of a curveball, put him more central. And then you've got Kelechi hopefully picking up the scraps or maybe grabbing a goal. I would rest Vardy, completely rest him and say, look, Brighton is your target. Get sorted, get that groin sorted. Um, again, I think it's probably rest is what he needs. So Vardy and Yuri Tillemans, nowhere near the team and go with a very solid Leicester lineup, big lads at the back and throw in the curveball of under, more central and the young lad in midfield. Now, if I'm playing FIFA, this absolutely happens, by the way. Even if I'm playing football manager, this happens. This this is a decision that I, as a as an armchair manager, a man with absolutely no credentials whatsoever, that's exactly what I'd do, Pete. And you've you've convinced me. I'm 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 on board with your sort of three at the back. Let's say four across midfield, if you count Ricardo and Castagna as wingers come wing backs. And then two in Tavares and under behind Ianacho. I agree. I don't I don't personally see, and I might be totally wrong here, but I don't I don't see Rogers resting Tielemans and Vardy. Look, in a game of FIFA that I'm controlling, I don't need leaders on the pitch because I'm controlling them all with the sticks of my Xbox. So I don't care what their mentality is like. But I I think if you take out Tielemans and Vardy and you also then don't have Madison and Evans on the pitch, or uh, your your leadership group is gone, 
apart from Schmeichel, who is doing his level best to bellow from from the goal. So I, I can't see Rodgers leaving both of them out. And it, it's he's really got to look at it and say, OK, Vardy is carrying a niggle. He's not been anywhere near his, his sharpest in the last... What is it? One goal in in last in the last eleven or twelve games, either side of his hernia operation. He's just, he's just not been there. Um, but Tielemans is covering an exceptional amount of ground, and he's taking the, basically the weight of the team on his shoulders at the moment. Seemingly, at some point, is is his body going to give up? Is something going to go for him? In which case, that would be catastrophic, I think, to our midfield. So. I'd, I'd, it's a it's a real balancing act, and it's one that we can quite easily sit here and talk about. And as I say, I can I can see the merits behind every single change that you've talked about there. I can see that formation working because Burnley don't typically go for an overload in wide areas, so you can afford, I think, to isolate Ricardo and Castagna as the wide players with Under and and whoever Tavares maybe in in more narrow supporting roles for whoever is chosen to be the central striker. I think you can absolutely make a case for every single selection you've made there. Um, if Evans is unavailable for Wednesday night, then the back three picks itself. That's that's how it has to be, uh, unless you play a, a two with Suncho and Amati, which I'm not totally convinced by, if I'm perfectly honest. Fuchs is made for this kind of game. Loves a scrap, loves a challenge, still decent in the air. It, he he would add some leadership and some grit and determination to that. And look, he's not got to have bags of pace, has he, against against Burnley? If he's especially if he's playing in a in a central defensive three. That yeah, there are there are lots of lots of agreeable points there, Pete. And really, it's it's up to to Brendan Rodgers to to make this decision. Of course it is because he doesn't listen to for fuck's sake, probably. But I'd be interested to see to think uh, what our listeners think of this potential scenario, because there's there's nothing to lose for Tavares. There's nothing to lose for Under. I completely agree. Give him a run of games, put some responsibility on his shoulders, and say, look, mate, you're playing for a permanent contract, which as of yet you are absolutely nowhere near receiving in the summer stand up and be counted now Barnes is out you're a driving creative attacking flair force no Madison no Barnes it's on you get out there and do it and and if he's either going to sink or swim if he sinks you send him back to Roma you pack his bags for him if he swims then great you know how to get at him you know how to motivate him and he makes a positive impact either in this short period that he's got left at Leicester or enough of a glimmer to, to get himself a contract it's it is a no lose situation, I think, for what for whatever approach is taken against Burnley. Yeah, that's that's where I'm coming from. I'm coming from a position of you look at the opposition, you go very solid. But with the Yuri Tillemans and Jamie Vardy aspect, it is just a look towards the next game and the game after because you you can't just play these players. If you play Yuri Tillemans on Wednesday. In my opinion, I reckon that he's not going to turn up and be the 100% Yuri Tillemans we want. He's not going to give you the legs. He's not going to give you uh, the creativity. He's not going to dominate a game or really influence a game in which he should do against Burnley. So I, I just think in this scenario, and again, the opposition is crucial here. I just think it's a no, you don't don't risk him. Don't you know, get him 100% fit and ready 
for Brighton. Vardy the same. Again, both of them, I think it's just right. You know, scrap them to sit this one out. Bit like when we play after Boxing Day. There's that game really quick, um, and we we completely change the lineup, and it's everyone kind of oh no, and, and we kind of half jam your results or whatever. It, it's that scenario for me now, where you take this game as a one-off. Um, you almost basically put a line through those players and say they're not playing. Okay, pretend that they're suspended. And then go with the team. That that's that's the way I should um, I would look at it. And and who knows? We'll see what happens. But then you go on to Brighton on Saturday, and I would then revert back to your strongest lineup and your strongest formation, the traditional way of Leicester. Now whether that includes Johnny Evans at the back, whether he's available, you then bring back in Yori Tillemans, you bring back in Jamie Vardy, both hopefully 100% or as near to 100% as you can get, especially in Vardy's case. And you go with the strongest lineup again against Brighton and and hopefully take the game to him and, and hopefully on the back of uh, a morale-boosting win against Burnley. Or, if it goes wrong against Burnley, he said it's a, it's an easy excuse to use. You don't want excuse. You don't want the, uh, the manager maybe to have an excuse. But you look at it and go, right, you know, the experiment didn't work. Burnley did a job on us let's go back to the starting 11 as we all know and we go again and hopefully get a result uh, against Brighton maybe bring back in say a, a Luke Thomas at left back and go with the Castagna um, Ricardo angle on the right which I still like um, which ultimately as well it, it's more needed now because you've got Ricardo on the right and on the left is where Harvey Barnes should be but because we're lacking in these uh, midfield slash forwards you need to be playing this system because at least then you've got one player further forward who would be possibly in the strongest Leicester lineup who would then play as a number 10 and who would then play um, out wide question marks absolute question marks you hope that under has performed well enough against Burnley. Again, you've got the starting lineup, uh, you've got the starting position that he really takes it, and you and you don't question the decision. You don't worry about starting under. And who knows whether Tavares plays really, really well, and you go, do you know what, lad? If you're absolutely fine physically, which I don't think there's any problem, if you have a really good game against Burnley, why you can't then follow up and play against Brighton? Who knows? Who knows? You never know. But. Um, I would be amazed if there's not real wholesale changes uh, against uh, against Burnley and then Brighton on Saturday. You know they're a, they're a very strange side, aren't they? Brighton they've been as much as they can throw in the odd wobbly, as much as they can be very solid and 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 pick up wins against some big sides, maybe at home, and they always have the old adage of you know they don't really have a goal scorer, they don't score as, as many goals as you as you think that they should and if they do eventually grab a goal scorer who can score you know 15 to 20 goals in the Premier League which all clubs are really looking for but if they do happen to unearth one then the way that they play there's no reason why you would think Brighton can't push further up the league and be looking maybe top half in, in Europe or ultimately uh, a brilliant setup but it has gone wrong recently down there and they are a team that Leicester should not fear and they should go to Brighton where they've had decent results in recent years and, and, and be very, very positive. But again, I think a lot will actually look look back at this Burnley game and uh, I think a lot will determine what happens against Burnley to then the line-up against 
against Brighton because if results don't go our way, let's just say, you know, if Chelsea win, then you look at the game against Brighton and you think, well, you know, do do we really need to be picking up three points there? You know, is it you know, be all and end all? But the pressure really does apply because I think the players will start to look at that and the manager, uh, manager will do as well. And uh, yeah, it's... Um, there are issues, Rob, aren't there? There are big issues out there. But um, I'm I'm positive. I'm I am quite positive because I think I think we can go to Burnley and we can win. Um, I think we can we can hold Burnley. I, I look at that bat line if we go with a three, um, and then we go with the full backs, the wing backs, and I look at that bat line with Wilfred and Didi and go. They're going to be very difficult to, to to score against, in theory. I, I think Leicester are going to be very difficult to score against, and it takes a little bit of magic then to grab a goal. You know, you're looking if if you're going to win, maybe a one nil, which is what I'm going to go for. Um, I'm going to go for our mate Under to really turn up and score with a miss hit shot that takes a wicked deflection. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with one nil Leicester which I know my predictions on this podcast aren't necessarily incredibly accurate when it comes to the correct score. Um, more times than not, the actual result overall has not been bad. Um, but I know my score lines are way off. And, of course, the <laughs> the fact that I've gone and, and said that Leicester will beat Arsenal on Sky Sports and BT and we should not really fear, you know any player on their side and also label Pepe a real disappointment this season and, and a bang average player and he has the, the game of his life. But uh, yeah, so at the moment, my uh, my credibility when it comes to predictions is way down there. So I'm going to turn it round with a correct score and scorer. 1-0 Leicester, Jengez under. I'm going to back you up because 1-0 was exactly going to be my prediction. Burnley don't score very many goals whatsoever. We've got the capability to drop that straight back into a back five if you need to and you can tuck, uh, you can tuck under round as one of the wider players if you want to play a 5-4-1 if you absolutely have to. I can't see Burnley scoring against us uh, and I'm going to get Kelechi Iheanacho on the score sheet for 1-0. Um, I just want to say on on Tavares because there will be people that are listening to this podcast who've only seen his name appear on the on the team sheet or or whatever. We're not pretending here to have any inside knowledge whatsoever. But what I will say is we did, as I mentioned earlier, we did highlight him as a as a, an exciting player during pre season, um, where we were able to sort of watch the pre season friendlies live on the website for free. Um, but also, why not? You know, there'll be some people saying, why should we, as a as a team that's pushing for top four, be relying on a player of this age? Now, look, in an ideal situation, would we be um, even talking about him in the match day squad? No, we wouldn't. And that's no slight on his ability whatsoever. But it's the fact that you would have Madison, you'd have Pratt, who are both um, ahead of him in the pecking order in that position. And even probably at the start of the season, possibly even now, you might say uh, Kin and Drewsby Hall, in terms of players that belong to Leicester City, would probably be ahead of him um, as a central midfielder in the pecking order. However, this is the situation. Pratt's out injured. Madison's out injured. Uh, Drewsby Hall's away on loan. Tielemans is blowing. And Didi, Chowdhury and Mendy have... Um, their limitations as central midfielders they do their jobs very well and look 
Did anybody know who Luke Thomas was before he came in at the back end of last season? No, we had a crisis at left back. He needed to play and that's exactly what he did. Um, Tavares could be another one in that situation. We're not currently in in the more favourable situation that we had with Chilwell, where he was talked about for a few years as, as the natural successor to Christian Fuchs at left back. Fuchs um, maintains an extraordinary level of fitness. He is an exemplary professional. He was playing week in, week out at left back, and you never, ever questioned it. But you knew that Chilwell was there for cup games, for injury cover, and to learn from a former international captain. And that was great because we could blood Chilwell in over the course of 18 months, two years, to becoming a senior player. We haven't got, we haven't had that luxury with Luke Thomas. We haven't got that luxury with Tavares if he is uh, thrown in at the deep end against Burnley on Wednesday night. But look, this is the situation we're in. He could turn out to work out extremely well. So yes, 1-0 Burnley. I'm not going to go as absolutely out there to predict Tavares scoring. Uh, it's, I think I'm going for Ian Acho or maybe even Soyuncu first goal of the season. Oh, lovely. I bring every time. I mean, I know it's from a betting angle, you know, my kind of uh, my industry and that, but it's <laughs> Soyuncu was um, when he scored against Crystal Palace and um, I was watching it down the pub and uh, he was 66 to one first goal to score, you know, score the first goal. Uh, and he and he, and he scored, um, and the week before was the I've told this story before, haven't I? The week before was the nine nil at Southampton, and I backed because that was on TV as well, and I backed Soyuncu first goal, and of course that went quickly out the window, and Leicester scored nine goals, etc. So it didn't really matter at all. <laughs> as soon as he scores against Palace, uh, about four people in the pub just span around and looked at me, and I went, I ain't got a quid on him. <laughs> Nothing on him at all. 66 to 1 scores first. Anyway, never mind. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's and, and, and I'll tell you one thing, and a lot of people would have discussed this, and it was involved with the three-word reviews, and it's a genuine point. Uh, but I don't think, in terms of the podcast, actually, in terms of a listening medium, I don't think it's really worthwhile spending an awful lot of time on, and that's essentially the squad depth. Um, I'll just have a quick word on it, and that's if you take all the injuries that we've got, is the squad big enough? I mean, funny if any side in the Premier League had the problems that we've got at the moment, they will be stretched. And I think at the moment we're dealing with it just about okay. We'll see what happens in the next few games, but we are really, really stretched. So, is the squad big enough? You'd always say no. Forwards are always going to be an issue, as we know. Should we have signed anyone in um, January? Massive, massive um, implications through finance with the pandemic, etc. And stuff that we don't know. No one knows. Why didn't they go and buy that player for 10 million, 20 million? Well, we might not have the money. We might be lining up a player in the summer. We might have X, Y and Z if we qualify for the Champions League. There's all sorts going on. We don't want to fill the squad with just anyone. But, yes, it is a legitimate question. But overall, I think right now, there's because the games are coming thick and fast against Burnley and then um, away at Brighton, I think at the moment it's probably not worth 
really spending any time on. I think it's worth mentioning because it is a conversation that's being had, but I, that's why we've not really gone into it because, look, let's just concentrate on what we've got right now, how long players are going to be out for, um, and then also what happens during these games coming up, and then looking at the Premier League as a whole and how we can maintain ourselves in that top four place. We all know that we do have those three games at the end of the season which are very difficult. And will it come down to those games? More than likely it will do. And we'll see what happens, whether Harvey Barnes is back, uh, whether who knows what is back and whether who knows what could be out. Who knows? But at the moment, sitting here right now, it's all about the game against Burnley, what side we can put out and then go on to the Brighton game. And against Brighton... I think it could be very similar in terms of the scoreline. I'm going to go, of course, with a with a, with a, a city. I'm going to say city win, but I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe a maybe a draw. I think going for the two wins on the bounce would be a bit too much of a well, a Leicester podcast, and they're going to go for two wins, even though um, you know the scraping their arse in terms of players. So I'll go with a draw then, and I'll go with a um, I'll go with a nil nil, which. Great Saturday night viewing, eh? But um, I'll I'll go with nil nil. I think if um, I think if Leicester get the win against Burnley, in fact, if even if the draw against Burnley, I think it will get to a certain stage because of what's going on. Um, more than likely, Leicester, if it gets to seventy minutes in the game, not that they're going to shut up shop, but in the scenario that they're in now, they would take the point. I think Brighton uh, also would, but would be you know pushing for the win, which they would naturally do at home. But I think if Leicester were all singing or dancing in the top four with a first team out, everyone flying, um, and they're nil-nil with 20 minutes to go, they would look at that as a bang opportunity to go and win, score late. Um, but I think at the current time, it might just be a bit of a, do you know what, we'll, we'll take this point and we'll roll on next week against Sheffield United. So I'll go for nil-nil. We're in agreement on two predictions on this oh podcast. My word. I, I don't actually believe it, but especially if we get the a, a one nil against Burnley and we put three points in the bag and put Slavia Prague and Arsenal well away to the back of the minds, then you absolutely go away to Brighton, um, who are not playing that badly, really, um, and they they had some seriously bad luck uh, recently as well. Um, and and you'd you'd get out with a nil nil, wouldn't you? And you'd take four points from a possible six after such a um, difficult week, and you'd say thank you very much. We'll now have a week with the players where we can get the right balance of rest, rehabilitation, and preparation in, and we'll go again against Sheffield United. I think four points from the six in the current circumstances would be excellent. Um, just my um, input on squad depth. Look, Liverpool, for example, have struggled this season because they've had injuries to key players. We've currently got injuries to key players. You could, let, let's say you you had a team that had 10 or 15 injured players. Would you still say that your squad didn't have enough depth? No, you wouldn't. Now, you can't plan for this many to happen. You can't have a squad full of 30 international first-choice players so that you can have a match day squad um, that is still full of them, even if you've got eight or nine senior players out injured. It's just not possible. It's not financially possible. You can't keep that many people happy. And and for another point, you can't register that many players in the Premier League anyway. So it's 
just not possible. Um, and the recruitment thing in January, of course, I, the club would have been stupid not to have been looking at it. But think about how highly praised in every football circle Leicester City's recruitment has been um, over the last few years, and particularly in Brendan Rodgers' tenure uh, and our recent history. It is talked about as some of the finest recruitment and best value for money in the possibly in world football. So if the right deal for the right player to fit into this club was not available in January, I absolutely give the club for what it's worth my full backing if they didn't go for any deals because they didn't think the right one was on the table in January. There was there is no point I don't think the situation that Leicester is in at the moment looking for a short-term fix. It has to be exactly the right kind of uh, character, the right kind of player, uh, the right kind of position, the right kind of attributes to have a long-lasting Im- impact on our squad. Because it strikes me as the as the fact that, yes, in the past, the owners have been quite quick to dismiss managers, of course, and every time it's worked out well. But look at the investment in the club. Look at the backing that Rodgers has been given. He's two years now, two years this week, actually, um, uh, or this weekend just gone. Brendan Rodgers has been in charge. Look at, look at what we've achieved in that time. And I think this is only the beginning of the longer term plan. A knee-jerk reaction to buy somebody that doesn't fit into the medium to long-term plan for Leicester City in January would have been a a poor decision. And I can, obviously we're only speaking from from what we see from the outside, but that that is how I would see it. The sense that if the, the right deal wasn't there, otherwise Leicester would have done it. So we, we stick by the recruitment policy. We get behind the squad that are currently have two knees, two ankles, ready to go out and, and have a go at playing a game of football against Burnley on Wednesday. Uh, and we see where we are this time next week. I was asked a question about Brendan, actually, and uh, I saw a tweet. So forgive me if you uh, if you actually wrote it or, you, um, or you've seen it and maybe retweeted it. It was about he deserves a statue if we get top four. And I looked at that and I went, hey, you know, I, I understand um, where they're coming from. And if we do look positive at the season and go, you know, if we end up getting top four, what a fantastic season that will be. Um, it would be an amazing feat by the team and that would be the entire team, your Fuchses and your Mendes um, and your Martis, you know, just some of the un, kind of, um, not the unknowns, but uh, under the radar players, big time, especially at the start. I thought of the you season. were going to call them three unsung heroes. Then I was ready for that line. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it, 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 just the players that have gone yeah, under the ra- under the radar because there there was that team at the start of the year where he included them, and we got off to such a good start. So if we do get top four, regardless of what happens in the FA Cup, you know, um, if we do end up finishing in top four. Um, we we don't win the FA Cup. We let's just say we lose to Manchester United, and then we end up getting top four. That will still be overall a fantastic, fantastic season for Leicester, and it will give us an unbelievable base to then look forward to next year Champions League football, and then also kicking on. Uh, in the Premier League, and then you've got your FA Cup, League Cup, and then who knows who we could sign in, in the uh, 
in the close season. So it's um, it's all about the Premier League. When we get to the FA Cup game, I have no doubt at all that they will play their best team and we'll cross that hurdle once we get, you know, we'll, we'll preview that game and we'll look at it um, in more detail beforehand. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's there's there's a number of clubs out there. Liverpool's are really, they always get the you know the press and this that, and the other with their injury crisis, but theirs was really in one position, and in that position they lost their main players, and then they lost the cover, and then the people who came from midfield to play in that position to cover again got injured. It was all about their set. Ours is a nice even spread, but at the moment it's those forward players, and well, fingers crossed that the relative good news of today and Brendan Rodgers in his press conference, I think it, it was the best news you could hope for with Harvey Barnes. Um, the news that Madison was back now or will be back this week training on grass means that even someone who has no inside information, you can look forward and say he's more than likely going to be playing again in a few weeks' time or the ability to probably come off the bench and, and play because he wouldn't have lost an awful lot of fitness. Um, so overall, it's not as maybe as bad as it seems to, I think, everyone after that Arsenal defeat. You lose a, a game of football, and some fans will throw their toys out the pram. Others will take it on the chin and look to the next game. Everyone reacts differently. But I think after the performance against Prague and then the injuries against Arsenal, everyone absolutely everyone who's a supporter of Leicester was just really down because they could see that the next few games and more actually the rest of the season was going to be a real struggle. And then what happened last season kind of comes back to haunt you. I don't think last season has any impact on this season. Um, I was asked that question uh, last week as well. I don't think it. I still don't think it does because they're two completely different seasons, two completely different set of injuries, and as you mentioned, I think the side is different. I think the mentality is different, uh, the opposition's different, the scenario of this season compared to last season is different. I know it's still behind closed doors, etc., but it is a different season. And fingers crossed, we get these uh, these results in the next two games. Um, now. To finish the podcast, obviously we've got the fantasy football, which again we are in the middle of a game week, so it is slightly awkward to uh, to do the top ten. So we won't do the top ten. All I'll say is I've dropped off a cliff with my side, um, mainly because I brought in Harvey Barnes and um, and the rest of my team was rubbish, and also. Cancelo didn't play, Man City conceded the goal, etc. etc. So my team's awful. Rob, you're Yeah, we don't talk fighting. we don't talk about my team. My team are always awful. I've had two good weeks and I am tumbling down said cliff with you right now. There's games tonight, there's games tomorrow, there's games on Wednesday, as we know. So again, apologies if you've kind of crept into the top ten and you wanted the name sorry, but Again, when you listen to this, it will all be different, etc., etc. So the fancy football will continue. Um, did you or did anyone out there take part? I mean, you're going to basically just reply now to a recording. But did you take part in the Leicester City quiz uh, from the Athletic? So Rob Tanner, um, who had Matt Elliott with him, did a quiz uh, with the Athletic. Do you know about this, Rob? I don't think I actually mentioned it to you, which is 
you know, that's a, a smack on the wrist, smack on the back of the hand from me. No, I know absolutely nothing about it. It was last week and it was, I think there was about 40 odd or 50 odd people in this quiz and uh, it was on zoom and then you got it on your on your phone and you were given four options for each question there were 40 questions um and it was the if you answer quicker then you get more points etc so i think it's like 100 points if you answer straight away and then it just goes down um now i you know, i sit here and think you know oh, i know a fair little bit about leicester and about um the history especially you know up to say well from probably 19 say 90 onwards and uh and i was like oh, i'll do this no worries well i was in sixth place rob sixth place so fastest finger first and all that sort of thing and then so i was like this is really good now that was after 10 questions and then it went horribly horribly wrong you started with you know who scored leicester's goal when they lost to wolves in 49 cup final Oh dear, and 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 I managed. I think overall, there was a there was a keyworth answer, and there was one more. There was two answers. I think that I was really disappointed with. I was like, "Hang on, I know that," and I pressed the wrong one. Um, but the rest were quite difficult for me. You know, a few people might have jammed a few. I went. I think I ended about thirty fourth or something in this quiz. Uh, now only about uh, by looking at the points, I think I was about two correct answers away from maybe being around about 15th or so but um i tell you what if you were listening to this podcast now and you're in that say top 15 top 10 hats off because wow that you know that's 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 some stuff really and um and and the, the lad who won at um i think his name was jake he uh he sounds like he was only at um university he says and he got he pretty much nailed every single question right and again, this is uh, these weren't you know really easy questions. You were talking historical Leicester. You were talking um, famous goals. You were talking modern era. Uh, you were talking players who have played for Leicester, and you had to pick another club who they played for out of the list of teams. And you're thinking, crikey, O'Reilly, I did quite. That was actually where I did really well. But yeah, so uh, it was a, it was a really interesting quiz. And uh, if you did take part, then. Uh, then yeah, you probably did better than me, but uh, but there we go. I was I was quite happy with how I did, but then <laughs> I was at the final table. I thought, oh, my word! Some people's football knowledge is absolutely encyclopedic, isn't it? I, I got invited to a, a football pub quiz a couple of years ago by um, a few lads that I didn't know particularly well, but they knew that I had a background in broadcasting. And they knew I was I was a big football fan, and they thought, yeah, we'll have him in our team for a bit of knowledge. And I I thought like you. I know a reasonable amount and, and I retain a fair amount of information. I I don't think I answered two or three of the questions. Uh, certainly not the ones that that that, know, that everybody else knew. Every, I knew the ones that everybody knew, but then the tricky ones, I was absolutely nowhere near and I'm absolutely sure I'd have been the same in the Leicester quiz. In fact, it's probably a good thing that I didn't go on it because I'm already proving how little I know about football with my fantasy football um, um, output. So I'd, you know what? If you finished wherever you finished in the thirties or something, if there were fifty people on the quiz, I'd have finished fiftieth. You know, it would have happened. I think so. I think one or two at the at the end, you could see who were bottom of the league. They kind of probably gave up or whatever. But uh, it was it was really good fun and um, the, the format of it to use your phone 
when you're on a Zoom call on, say, another device. It worked really well. So, yeah, we'll, um, well, I'll try and have a look at how it was based and whether we could do one, but we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So that's it for the podcast. Um, I'm off for a run after seeing myself on TV. Crikey, O'Reilly. I think I'm, the regime starts today, Rob. It starts today. Doesn't it start every Monday with you? Yeah, but it's the same regime... But there's just intermittent gaps of, say, a weekend or six months. You know, it, that, that's not what it is. It's, it's the same regime. But, uh, but, but there we go. Hopefully, the predictions can be a lot more accurate than that Arsenal one. I mean, end of the day, it could not have gone. It could not have been worse, really, could it? It could not have been worse. But uh, it was. Um, it was an experience, anyway. And and, and uh, if it happens again, hopefully. I have, uh, because I, I didn't know before the last podcast. So they got in contact with me after the previous podcast. So I, I couldn't say to everyone, you know, heads up and all that sort of thing. But um, yeah, if they do ever get me back on, maybe, maybe I'll say it'll be a difficult, that's right. I'll say it's a difficult game, even though you were playing, say, bottom of the league or whatever. It's a difficult game and I really fear for Leicester. And uh, and then we go and win 6-0. That'll be good, wouldn't it? Thank you.